friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do. Temptations. Is there trouble anywhere? Jesus, Savior, is our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what a friend. Oh, what a friend. Oh, what a friend. Savior, you have promised all our burdens you will bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to you in earnest prayer. Soon in glory, bright and clouded, face to face. Will be our prayer. Joyful praise and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. Oh, what a friend! Oh, what a friend in Jesus. It's good to see all you guys. I'm glad that you're with us. If you're one of our guests, we want you to know that you're most welcome. You guys can have a seat. 
Also, if you're joining us online, we're glad that you're joining us there as well. And we have a special service today where we're going to get to we're going to get to uh, be led in worship by our students, um, which is awesome. And I've already seen them do it, and I'm telling you, it's going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yes. So we've got I've got just a couple of things I want to mention really quickly. Um, some up, upcoming events. Um, one is we're having a farewell celebration for Mary Craig. And that's happening May 28th up here at the church. You can all come and be a part of it um, at 6.30. You can find that information on Church Center. Um, also, in two weeks, we are having a, uh, a uh, evangelism workshop that's going to happen right after the church service is over. And we need you to, to register for that so that we can make sure and have enough food. You can do that on Church Center. Um, and my last thing to, uh, to mention about... Uh, for announcements is if you if you poke around on church center in the group section you will find a section called the body at work and right now there are two ministries in the body at work um, and one of them is the cookie ministry the other one is called sawdusters um, and uh, the reason I'm bringing your attention to this is because these are these are folks in our church who are doing things in and around our body um, on their own. And they're things that we care about and we think are awesome and we want to support and encourage. And we want you to have an opportunity to get connected with them to be a part of it if you would like. You can find the information about these groups um, there. And if you have something you're doing, I would like to know about it so I can include it. So please come and tell me about it. Um, during the message part of the service <laughs> or after the service um so so that's it i think now we're going to go to uh to dave who gets the last word <laughs> chris's paycheck will be late this month Hey, we got an exciting morning. Part of our student uh, celebration is to recognize students going out in summer missions. So I'm going to ask right here, Danielle Vanderkay and Lindsay Young to come up here and join me. If you guys will stay right here. Danielle is the daughter of John and Terry Vanderkay, and Lindsay is the daughter of Mike and Jennifer Young. And I'm so glad you guys are joining us today. They are going to head out to a summer mission that is intensive on discipleship and then gives the opportunity to, to learn everything they've got in terms of uh, evangelism, different methodologies and all that. I'm going to let them talk in just a minute, but I want to let you know this, that it's a short interview. So they are going to be out in the hallway after the service and you can ask them every question you want. And they've even got some prayer slips that they would be willing to share share with you so that you can pray for them on this great journey and they'll be on our prayer list so thank you uh, ladies okay where are y'all going um, so we're gonna spend uh, about seven weeks in Spain um, the first like three to four weeks will be in Casitas, um, Spain, which is like southwest Spain. Um, and then we're going to go and do outreach in northern Spain in Basque country. Oh, great. Thanks. And what group are you going to be working with? We'll be working with... Everybody else. <laughs> I think it's on. Yeah, it's on. Just hold it here. So we'll be working with a local branch uh, for YWAM called Selge. And it's uh, in Spanish, it means the same thing as youth with a mission, but it's in Espanol. Great. Now, tell me why you guys want to go on this trip. I'd like to hear from both of you. 
Um, so I've been to Spain in the past and um, have developed a passion for um, the Spanish people and saw kind of the need for missions there. There's not really a lot of evangelical Christians um, there, surprisingly, and um, I'm really excited to work with YWAM. They're a really good ministry, and um, I like kind of their mission in Spain. Great. Thank you, Lindsay. Yes, uh, same as Lindsay. I also have a passion to meet uh, the Hispanic and Spanish culture. I know we have so many of those in our area. Um, for my professional future, it's also very relevant. I'm a nutrition medical major, but I think I was telling a friend uh, the other day that if I can't speak Spanish about Jesus, then I I'm not properly speaking the language. So this trip for me is to reach those people in their language, to learn that language, and to meet people where they are, um, both through learning Spanish and learning how they speak about God and how they understand God so I can meet them where they are. Great, thank you. Now tell us one thing you would like to see God do either in you or through you. I'd like to hear from both of you again. <laughs> so, go ahead. <laughs> so something that I want to see um, in myself and what God will do for me, I love to see how he uh, teaches us his faithfulness, both personally and congregationally. I get to uh, report to Pastor Dave when we get back to talk about what God did for us to praise him for it. Um, for me, I want to grow in my boldness to speak about him. I love talking to people, so I think this trip will teach me to uh, talk to people where they are and to learn about them. But something that doesn't come as naturally is to just say things about God as I'm thinking them because so many times God will bring things to my mind and I think, is this the right moment? Is this the right moment? And it's like God's saying, I'm right here. I'm giving you these words, speak them. So something I want to grow in is uh, my boldness and willingness to just speak what God is telling me, especially in the moments where people need God. Great. And do you want to say a word about this? Yes, I wanted to share this picture with y'all. It is a tool that I will be using in Spain. Um, when I read it, it was extremely convicting for me because it reminds me that the simplicity uh, of God is that he is real and relevant. And you don't need to make it elaborate. It's just your everyday things, how God is teaching you in each moment. I find something that's really helpful is um, when I'm telling people about Jesus, they say, well, how did God help you with that? You say Jesus, but how, what does that mean? How did he help you? And a lot of times I reply, God gave me the courage. He gave me the attitude. Great. If he didn't encourage me, I wouldn't be able to speak like I do. And so just to realize uh, the best way to share our faith is just to unashamedly mention him in our conversations with people every day. Great. Okay. Lindsay, how about you? What would you like to see God do? Um, I want to um, learn how to rely on God more, um, especially as we're working through language barriers mm. and um, traveling um, complications, just that he would kind of guide us and guide our um, relationships with people while we're there and our conversations with um, Spanish people. Um, so, yeah. That's great. I like that reliance on the Lord. Okay, I asked you guys to prepare three prayer requests for us. If you guys want to write these down, you can. If not, you need to go back and watch the live Facebook so that we'll you can also write have them a down. Little papers after oh, and I'll have them on paper. Okay. <laughs> what can we pray for? Um, one of my prayer requests was that God would work in the hearts of the kids um, and the Spanish people that we meet and that he would just open up opportunities for us to be able to talk to them and um, to minister to them and that um, he would help us with the language barrier. Um, and I also wanted to pray for safety and to travel without any incident. Please. <laughs> um, 
in my prayer request, I just had one, and my mind is blanking out for the moment. Oh, my prayer request, again, was just the boldness to speak for God, for safety as well, because uh, we are two young ladies going into an area we don't know the language very, very well. So just that God would uh, protect us and give us his divine peace that is evident to the people around us and that we'd be able to speak out of that peace, just the full truth that uh, God has taught us just to give to people. So Great. boldness. Well, thank you guys. Okay, again, they will be in the hallway afterward. You can get more, just a prayer slip from them. I'm proud of you guys for going. I'm very thankful that you're letting us partner with you on this. Uh, Lindsay has been able to get a scholarship, a global mission scholarship through school. Danielle uh, has saved money for this trip, and she is raising $2,000. So if you want to be a part of that, the, uh, you can just uh, give toward that to the church and, and send a note with it that says for summer missions. That's it's a designated uh, giving for uh, the next couple of weeks uh, to help Danielle. Uh, but would you guys join me in prayer as, as I pray for them? Let's pray, ladies. Father God, thank you so much for these young women. And thank you for Danielle and for Lindsay. And, and most of all, if they're your children. If they know you and love you, they've received Jesus as uh, Savior. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you would make your presence known to them that you would be very identifiable each day. We thank you that your mercies are new each morning. And so we ask for uh, you to work in their lives and through their lives to bring the gospel. Pray that you give them strength and stamina for the summer. We ask that you would keep them uh, readily dependent upon you and teach them new things about your grace and the way you sustain us. Pray that you'd help them on the language barrier, that uh, you would allow them to uh, adapt quickly and easily, to learn the idioms and, and the culture. And we thank you for the heart uh, willingness to serve you this way. And we pray that the gospel would go out clearly and that you would make it uh, very productive as you're the one who changes people's hearts. And we pray for boldness, Lord, that they would be bold just to... Uh, to drop your name into conversations, to be willing to share the gospel. And we realize that uh, you just ask us to be faithful. So we pray that you give them strength in, in that regard as well. Pray for safety in their travels. And we thank you that you, uh, we can look forward to you protecting them that way. And we anticipate your goodness uh, through this as you continue to grow them in Christ and use them to further the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, women. Can I have your... You can clap. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys.
our ABFs may start dwindling as people head down to the youth room for uh, worship on Sunday mornings. Thank you sponsors for not only working with them and discipling them to Jesus, but helping them with those skills and uh, developing as band members and letting them serve Jesus that way. I'm going to, so today we uh, recognize our graduating seniors from high school, and I'm gonna ask Lydia Vanderkay to come and join me on stage. Hi, Lydia. And we're gonna need a microphone. <laughs> and uh, this will be my last interview this morning because this is the last daughter of John and Terry. So there's no more Vanderkays to interview, female. Congratulations on graduating. And Thank I understand you. that you're heading off to Letourneau yes, sir. University. So can you give us a highlight from your high school career? Well, to be honest, there have been many, um, but I would say that one major highlight of my career has been the relationships that I've been able to form over these years. I just feel especially blessed by the family and the friends that God has given me, um, and especially my church family. I feel very encouraged by my time here, and I feel that from my parents' teaching and my time here, I feel better equipped to, when I go up to Longview and Letourneau, to know what to look for in a healthy church and how to find that, to see what the Church of God should look like. And my church family. I've been so encouraged by my time here. That's great. Well, thank you. And thank you for serving the junior high. What can you tell us that God taught you in uh, serving junior high these last couple of years? God has taught me a lot in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. It's been good things that he's taught me. But I think one of the overarching themes has definitely been um, that God is the one who makes seeds grow. He's called me to be faithful, to water and to plant seeds, but that he is the one who makes them grow. And I've loved working with all of the junior high, but especially so my girls, and just being able to see the growth that they've all had over these years that I've been working with them. And just to see them grow and to see them grow in their love in God, it's been so encouraging and really exciting to see. That's great. Now, as you look to the future, what do you anticipate God uh, doing in your life? Has he given you any indication of career or subjects to study or anything else? Well, right now I feel led to study computer science. I don't see that changing, but you know, we'll see what happens when I get to college. Um, but I feel called to study computer science and then possibly go into that. Um, but I'm excited and nervous, but excited mostly to see what God has to do. That is great. Well, I want to thank you as pastor for being part of our church family. And uh, we look forward to great things as God sends you to Letourneau. And I am going to turn it over to uh, Brittany Francis and then the student sponsors. Brittany's going to come up. Brittany's been discipling uh, Lydia on the side, and, and she's the one that uh, Lydia has helped serve in the junior high. So uh, Brittany has some words of tribute, words of honor for uh, Lydia. I wrote it down because uh, I knew I'd lose my, my train of thought, but my name is Brittany um, and I work with both the junior and the senior high girls. Um, for the last few years, I've had the pleasure of working with and serving with Lydia. So she um, has been a student in senior high, but then also um, I've worked alongside her, which has been really fun um, and kind of a, a different dynamic to our relationship because we are able to um, teach these kids together. And um, so, um, let's see, if I had to use one word to describe Lydia, um, it would be selfless um, because she is and always has been 100% all in when it comes to pretty much anything I've asked her to do. Um, she has taught our small group um, on numerous occasions and she's knowledgeable well beyond her years. 
Um, Lydia, I know that God has great plans for you. I have seen him work through you every single week. Um, you single-handedly succeeded in getting every single one of our junior high girls to bring their physical Bibles to church. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that is no small feat. Um, she has a jar that she has brought that they get to pick a reward out of. And um, I think the last couple weeks, every single one of them has brought their Bible, which has been really neat to see. Um, so, um, but you have not only gotten gotten that, <laughs> accomplished that, um, but you also engage them not only by teaching them, but by being physically present while playing games and um, talking to them with pre-church chatter, and then, um, but you play games with them and you just love them wholeheartedly, and um, it's been really neat to watch you nurture them, um, and your growth as well as a, as a leader has been, it's been phenomenal to see you kind of flourish in that. Um, I know that you are so excited for next year and the adventures it will bring, and um, I kind of want to leave you with a challenge. Um, continue seeking him. I encourage you to find a church in Longview with a good community. Get plugged in and continue allowing God to use you, um, however that is going to look. Um, God has really, really fantastic plans for you, and I just can't wait to see that all plan out. So... Um, and I guess now we're going to call up the senior high leaders to, um, we're going to pray over Lydia. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to lift up Lydia to you, and as she heads out into the world, and starts her new adventures, college, and, you know, just giving her the strength to rely on you when times are tough and when school seems like it's too much. And just we want to lift her up to you and her bright spirit and her loving spirit and how she just takes everything on with strength and encouragement and just let her light be that to uh, everyone that surrounds her, even up in school. <clears throat> Lord, I am just so thankful for, for my time with Lydia. Lord, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I was able to witness her um, growing in, in you, Lord. Um, I pray that as you, um, as she walks off in this next chapter of her life, Lord, that you would just um, cling to her, Lord, that you would um, present a a community that she can get plugged into and, and grow deeper in her relationship with you, Lord, and that you would continue to use her um, to love on just people. Um, I pray that you would um, just continue to be with her as she's preparing to leave, Lord. I know that this summer is going to be a lot of um, prepping and planning and, and bittersweet in some ways, Lord. I pray that you would just um, be with her and cling to her, Lord. And Father, we, uh, we pray that as she continues to go and walk in this journey that, you know, as they uh, learned over this past year, as they dug into uh, the women of the Old Testament, that she would remember that she's here for a specific thing, 
that she has a purpose and a plan in front of her. And even though things may be clouded at times or situations are difficult, that she would always look forward to you. She would chase that passionately and that she knows that no matter what her circumstances are, she always has a family. She always has a community that supports and loves her. And we pray, Father, that her heart would continue to be chasing after your heart in every endeavor of her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. We're going to open God's Word now. When my son Nate uh, was much younger, he and I went out a few times using the geocaching app. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, it's just great adventures the way they word it anytime, any day, uh, as you go out uh, and look at beautiful and amazing places. Um, and I love their tagline, world's largest treasure hunt. So. Basically, you just go out, you, you look on the app, and you see where you want to go, and you choose a, a, a place where something is cached, and then you just kind of navigate the map and, and the clues, and you find this thing, and they're all different difficulties, different caches, different sizes. Uh, you find it, and, and you, uh, you know, take it out, you open it, you sign the logbook, you check in on the app, and then it's usually a, a container filled with some type of uh, little knickknacks, little fun things, and you can take one, and you can also leave one if you want to. And so that's, uh, that was a little exercise, a little adventure that we enjoyed. They have a, a fun little introductory video, and I love how they end it. They say there are, there is an adventure happening all the time, all around you. Now, if that doesn't want to make you go out and geocache this afternoon, I don't know what will. There's an adventure happening all the time, all around you. And another reason I love it, because I'm an adventurer at heart. I love to travel, especially. But, but it's so intriguing to me that uh, they would name it that way, because that's how I feel about God's word today. As we look at a woman named Lydia, we're going to realize that spiritually speaking, there's an adventure happening all the time all around us. And God is going to use us if we will open our hearts and join him in his work. This name, this woman named Lydia is a remarkable woman. She has a very short passage of scripture where she's rec recognized in Acts 16. And it's at the start of the second missionary journey. If you're familiar with the missionary journeys of Paul and Barnabas on the first one, Paul and Silas on the second one, Barnabas and John Mark on the second one. And what we learn as we go to this is we learn that God is at work. He is at work all the time, all around us. There is an adventure happening, spiritually speaking. And so we want to look to God's word and see how we can join him in his work. We want to see what kind of work he does in this process of salvation. And we want to see uh, what kind of response should come out of us as his loving messengers, because he has saved us and offered us salvation through Jesus Christ. So I invite you to turn with me to Acts 16, if you will. Our 
young women, Danielle and Lindsay, are going off on this great adventure to Spain. And, and the adventure will be as they get discipled intensively and it's added to everything else God has done in their life through their parents and, and their church family and their schooling. What is God going to do in them and through them? And what kind of gospel adventure will take place in their lives? It's going to be a great adventure that will unfold for them all summer. Too many of us, on the other hand, think that adventures are just for the young, or for the young at heart, or for the young in faith. And so we just kind of get into routines where we just kind of want to be comfortable and, and we spend our time and energy getting comfortable and we no longer prioritize this great adventure of evangelism or what we call in our core values, adventurous compassion. My prayer this week has been that God's word would stir us to be willing and enthusiastic followers of Jesus that join him in this gospel work. As we look at the life of Lydia, this remarkable woman. Let's start at Acts 16. We're just going to look at verses 11 to 15, but in verses 11 to 13, we see this, that God's messenger joins him in his gospel adventure. God's people are the ones to join him in this gospel adventure, going into the world, making disciples. God has called us into that great adventure. He has asked us to be his witnesses of the gospel as we go through the world, wherever we are, whether we go to Spain or we just live out in our own neighborhood. He has asked us, he has commanded us, and it is up to us to decide to join him in his gospel work. Those who respond with loving obedience have the joy of seeing God at work and being used by him. First thing I want us to see as we look at Acts 16 is that God leads the open, responsive heart to unexpected places. Unexpected places. That's what happens for this team. We've got Paul and Silas. Timothy joined them in, in Lystra. And then Dr. Luke joined them at some point. He's the writer of the book of Acts. And they may have a few more in their traveling entourage. But God takes them to unexpected places. The context is this. Back in chapter 15, we have the Jerusalem Council. And that's where people had come back from Antioch and other places, and they had said, hey, uh, some of these Gentiles are coming to Christ, and they're not getting circumcised, they're not following the law and all that kind of stuff. So there's a big debate, and, and they decide, Peter states it very clearly, that it is clear God wants them to come to salvation through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just that. No circumcision, no keeping of the law. They do let the people know that Moses will be taught in all the synagogues every week so you can go learn God's word. Abstain from fornication. Abstain from things offered to idols. And that's it. They want to stick to the simple grace of the gospel. Well, that's 15, and, and they're so gospel-minded that they send these guys back out. And their original goal was to revisit every church that they had seen and planted on the first missionary journey. First missionary journey, when Paul and Barnabas went out. So now Paul and Silas are going to go out, and they're going to revisit every church. But some things happen along the way. 
Because God is the one who always initiates things in terms of salvation. He's the one who does the work, and he's the one who prepares hearts, and he's the one who guides us and opens doors and closes doors, gives us opportunities, gives us divine encounters all the time. And what he does here is they get to Asia Minor, which is basically Turkey. They're trying to head west to see some of these churches, and the Lord says, no, you cannot go there. You're forbidden to go there. And they tried a couple different times, a couple different ways. And it's actually an area that has the seven churches from Revelation 2 and 3. They got the letters of, uh, of uh, Jesus from Revelation. And, and so uh, you've got places like Sardis, and, which is the, the capital city of that region. And then you've got Thyatira in Philadelphia. You've got others, uh, Laodicea. And, and, and so this is the area that they are prevented from going to. Well, they go on to uh, Troas, and, and then they get this vision. They get a night vision where the Lord sends somebody in a vision, a dream to Paul, and uh, it, it's a Macedonian man. It's a Greek man. And he's standing there saying, come help us. Come help us. As a Greek man, he represents everything that is great about civilized culture in the world at that time. And yet, despite having everything academically and wealth and economically and, and uh, uh, military and all that, they are lacking God. And so the vision is of this Greek man, this Macedonian man saying, come help us. And so God has closed the door to um, Asia Minor on the Western side and he's opened the door to the European continent. And this is when the gospel is going to go to Europe, uh, which is going to affect our world for centuries to come and literally brought the gospel to us uh, eventually. Now, Luke gives a detailed account of the route they took to Macedonia. This is what he says in verses 11 and 12. So putting out the sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace. And on the day following to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi. So they take a boat to Samothrace and then to Neapolis, and they got about a 10-mile walk to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were stay staying in this city for some days. So as a Roman colony, it has great prominence, it has great wealth, it has a lot of Roman populace, because they want uh, they colonize different cities uh, on their perimeter, on their outlying areas, so that they would have uh, people that would uh, fight for them and want them, and, and they give them incentives like no taxes. And so it's a Roman colony, and it has a priority in the Roman Empire. Another thing, and this is really a key thing, Philippi sat up there at the north end of the Aegean Sea. It sat on the Ignatian Way. Now, that was a major road that the Romans had developed coming out of Rome and traveling to the east. And it gave access for mercantile. It gave access for uh, traders. It gave access for the military to walk. And so it, it was just a major thoroughfare. It was paved with stone. And what that means is this is a very strategic act on God's part to take the gospel not only to Europe, but to Philippi right there on a major thoroughfare so that this gospel will spread. And God used that to continue to spread the gospel. It's a strategic move on the Lord's part. So we get 
this early background that this is a Roman colony. God led them to an unexpected place. They didn't expect to go to Europe. He had denied them, forbade them on the first journey. Second journey, he opens the door. The second thing we see is that God leads the open-hearted person who's responding to him to unexpected people. Not just unexpected places, but unexpected people. So they come to Philippi. They've been given this vision of this Macedonian man, right? This Greek man. That's what they're looking for, right? But instead of, uh, of a Greek man, they find a Greek woman. And they find a Greek woman who is actually a worshiper of her God. This is what we read in verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. Paul's ministry always began in the synagogue when he would travel to a new town. That's what happened on the first missionary journey. And that would give him access to the Jews. His goal, as we read in Romans 1.16 and other places, his commission was to take the gospel to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So theologically, it lined up. He gets to Philippi, and he's there a few days. They're resting. They're praying, God, when do you want us to take action? And he's looking for the synagogue. And he discovers that there is no synagogue. There's got to be at least 10 practicing male Jews over the age of bar mitzvah to have a synagogue. Well, there's no synagogue here. But what there is, is there's a group of women that meet down by the riverside. The rabbis had told them that if you don't have a synagogue in your city, then meet at a river or a sea, obviously for purification rites and things like that. So these women, Paul and his group learn, are down by the riverside. It's probably the Gangites River. It's about a mile and a half outside of the city. We don't know if they were forbidden to meet in the city, but we do know that the river was there and they were out there. And Paul finds them. Paul and his traveling team, they go out and they find them. They go to the river. And Paul, this is a, this is a great thing. Paul expects God to do something. He's not going out to meet people. He's not going out to socialize. He's going out to preach the word. And he expects God to use the word to do things in people's lives. So when Danielle and, and Lindsay share the gospel, they'll be sharing some form or facet of God's word. That's why they're asking us to pray for the language barrier. They would be clear that the power of God's word would change lives. This episode also reveals the radical power of the gospel to change Paul's life. Paul was raised a zealous Pharisee. And one thing that the Pharisees believed and the rabbis taught was that it is better to burn the books of the law than to deliver them to a woman. Now, that doesn't play very well in our culture, does it? But you know, as you read the gospels and as you read the New Testament, how God has elevated the role of women in this world. And it's an incredible thing. And, and Paul is so changed by the gospel. Because think about that. I mean, that was all his training. He was the most zealous. He was the best trained. And yet God completely changed him and got rid of his pre-Christian prejudices so that he could not only serve in unexpected places, but he could serve unexpected people. I'm sure he never thought 
his first convert, the God's first convert in Europe would be a woman. But that's where he is, and he's talking to them. How is God leading you in your life? I honestly believe that, that he has put each of us on our own Ignatian way. And if you don't believe it, just go home and pray every day, God, show me who is on my Ignatian way. He has put you on a major thoroughfare of your life. He has given you a sphere of influence, of relationships, of people that no one else has when you, when you combine everybody involved in your life. And so he has given you the opportunity to reach people with the gospel, to spread the gospel, just like these uh, apostles did, these missionaries did, to go out and take the gospel to where we are and, and to take it to unexpected places. So be bold, as the young women asked for prayer this morning. Be faithful to simply share the gospel. And he may take it to unexpected people. There are so many people that we just write off when we're out in public and we think, yeah, you know, it's not my type, not my person. Maybe it's a different ethnic group. Maybe it's a different socioeconomic group. And God doesn't see any of that. He wants us to love people. And he wants our gospel adventure to be free to serve everyone, to go out to everyone, just to be part of our lifestyle, that it's not some big event that we have to gather up our thoughts and study theology for six weeks before we can go out and share the gospel. No, he just wants us to love on people. And part of loving people is to tell them about Jesus. God's gospel adventure reveals a pursuit of unexpected people in unexpected places. And due to their open response of hearts, Paul and his team were used by God that way. They went out. They joined God in his gospel adventure. The second thing we see in verse 14 is God's work in the gospel. God prepares hearts as his people share in his gospel adventure. God led Paul as he joined God in this adventure, this spiritual adventure, this gospel adventure. And here is where we see that God has been in pursuit of Lydia. I think this holds true of every one of us. God pursued us at one time. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, if you believe that he died on the cross for your sin in your place, was buried and rose again, then you have received the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. And it's all because God was pursuing you and gave you the opportunity to trust Jesus as your Savior. Lydia was part of a group of women at the riverside. And we learn more about her in verse 14. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a place where they were forbidden to go earlier, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Lydia was a wealthy businesswoman from Thyatira. She was a seller of purple fabrics. And the purple in that time came, it came by extraction drop by drop from a shellfish, the murex shellfish. And it, we, it was very expensive because of all the labor intensive work that went into it. About $250 for a pound of wool. 
in that day uh, to be able to get the purple fabric. So even though there were laws that reserved this purple fabric for royalty and the wealthy, it wouldn't have mattered if they had a law or not because people couldn't afford it, the common people. So that's who she ran with every day. Those were her clientele. She was probably an agent for the guild of the, the dyers back in Thyatira here in Philippi on the Ignatian Way, big cosmopolitan city. And she is there with a lot of wealth and a lot of means and a large household. We don't know if she's a widow or, or a single woman. I tend to believe that she was a widow. And she got into this business is doing really, really well. She's at the meeting with these women who are Jewish. She is not yet a, a Jewish proselyte, but we're told she is a worshiper of God, that intellectually she believes that Yahweh is the one true God. And God does the work of spiritual transformation in her heart. Lydia comes to this divine encounter at his urging. And she gets to hear the good news. He prepared her heart to hear and receive the gospel. I want you to note three elements of his pursuit of her with his relentless love of her specifically and of all people. First thing we see is that God had drawn, herself, drawn her to him initially as she saw the truth of Judaism and wanted it in her life. She's described here as a worshiper of God. I think this represents the work of the Father as described by Jesus in John 6. We read this, No one can come to me, come to Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Lydia had turned from paganism in her Greek culture to believing that there was one true God. God's pursuit of people is necessary because Satan works so hard to blind people to the simple gospel of grace. We read that truth in 2 Corinthians 4. This is what Paul would write, write to the church at Corinth, but it's a truth that holds true today as well. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. One of the things that it's important to remember is that when we are out there faithfully sharing the gospel, when we are talking to anyone in a spiritual conversation and pointing them to Jesus, or as the image said, dropping his name, that we are not alone and that all the responsibility is not on our shoulders that God is with us and God has already been at work in this individual's heart. I think he was at work in Lydia's heart. He had removed the veil of blindness that Satan keeps. He calls us to be faithful, but God does the heavy lifting. He's the one who changes hearts. The second element, I think, is that Luke wrote that Lydia was listening. If you look in your margin, it might have different words, like she was especially attentive she was interacting. She was thoughtful about what was going on, and she wanted it to change her life. I believe the Holy Spirit at this point was convicting her of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That this is one more work of God in her heart, convicting her of her sin, that she was not worthy of God. 
and in fact, worthy only of his wrath. Paul would say it differently in different places, that we are born dead in trespasses and sin. I believe that he was later know that Christ is the righteous one. And that when we trust him, not only are our sins forgiven, but we are declared righteous in Christ Jesus. And that is how God sees us. And then of judgment, that not only has Satan been, judgment, been judged at the cross and the power of sin broken in a believer's life, but there is future judgment for all. Everyone is accountable, whether they trust Jesus as Savior or not. And there will be a future judgment that leads to hell, a place that's completely separate from God and away from his presence for all eternity. That's the second element. Everyone's going to be held accountable for belief or unbelief. I believe God was at work through the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. And then the third element is that Lydia, Lydia believed in Jesus that day. We read the phrase, the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Paul would have pointed these women to Jesus as the Messiah. One reason he would go to the synagogue first is because he was starting with people who knew God's word. He was starting with people who knew something about the one true God, about Yahweh. And then he would take the promised prophecies of the Old Testament and show how they related to Jesus, the Messiah. He would show how they came true, how they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, leading people to put their trust in Christ as Savior. God did this in Lydia's heart, and she trusted Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the agent of regeneration. The instrument he uses is God's word because it is powerful unto salvation. It is the means of spiritual transformation. The spiritually dead cannot raise themselves. God is at work drawing us to himself, drawing unbelievers to himself. He is at work convicting them of their need of a savior. Here it is that we see God's sovereign pursuit. We get to look at it through the lens of the sovereignty of God, of those who did not yet know him. His love knows no bounds. But God's work in salvation does not remove the responsibility of the individual. Everyone is accountable for whether or not they trust Jesus Christ as their savior. That is how we, by faith, receive eternal life through God's grace. Faith is the channel. We must place our faith in Jesus because he did all the work of salvation. And when Lydia trusted Jesus Christ, it was because God had opened her heart to do that. He had prepared the way. But she was the one who made the choice. I believe that faith and regeneration occur simultaneously in a person's life. And that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he forgives us our sins and enters us to give us the free gift of eternal life. That's what happened in Lydia's life. Her story gives us insight into the sovereignty of God, bringing someone to salvation. And it's interesting to me. I think it's part of God's strategy to keep us discussing theology for centuries. That not only do we see his work here, 
from his perspective in Lydia's heart, but we also see the human responsibility later in Acts 16 when Paul and Silas are talking to the jailer. The jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And they keep it really simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a responsibility. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we get a view from the sovereignty of God and what he's doing behind the scenes, but we also get a view of man's responsibility and the simplicity of the gospel. We have the responsibility to take the gospel to people because if they don't hear it, they won't trust Jesus Christ. Trying to understand God's work in the hearts of mankind is always a mystery for us. But we can't understand the truth of our responsibility as ambassadors and the truth of everybody's responsibility to trust Jesus as Savior. We must bring the verbal gospel to our world. In fact, if you want help with that, uh, Chris mentioned earlier that on June 6th, Matt is going to do a little workshop on evangelism following the service. So if you feel like, hey, that's that's the heartbeat I've got, I want to do that, uh, and you want a little more equipping to do it, join us for that uh, workshop and and, uh, let God further equip you. The person is responsible to trust Jesus as Savior. So the sovereignty of God does not lessen either responsibility. We must take the gospel to the world. And when we do, we're joining God in this great adventure of seeing people come to Christ. God prepares hearts in the gospel adventure. His love causes people to join him in his work. And that's what we see in verse 15 is we see the response of Lydia. God's people are compelled to join him in his gospel adventure. God's people are so overwhelmed by God's love when they come to Christ that they want to be a part of what's going on. So Lydia comes to Christ and she's immediately compelled to respond to him in love. She's living out 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, where we're reminded that those who are grateful, those who come to Christ are compelled and controlled by his love to turn around and no longer serve themselves, but to serve him who died and rose again on their behalf. That's what's taking place in Lydia's life here in verse 15. She wants part of the action. She wants part of the kingdom work. And so we read this in verse 15. And when she, when Lydia and her household had been baptized, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. She was pleading with them and she prevailed upon us. First thing that God's love compelled her to do was to identify with Jesus. And so she was baptized. She publicly declared her faith, perhaps right there in the river, right there that day. She made it a point to let everybody know what Jesus Christ had done in her life. You know, we've had, what we've had about 10 or 11 uh, baptisms in the last three months. And it's always so exciting because it fills us with joy as we're reminded what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we remember that day and, and how he worked in our lives and how he continues to work. It's always exciting to see uh, people declaring their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Lydia does. First thing, God's love also compelled her to join God in his gospel adventure. She wants to use her plentiful resources. So like we said, she's a seller of purple fabric. She's a wealthy businesswoman. She probably has a larger home than most people. Most homes were very small back in that era. But here she is, a wealthy businesswoman. She's got a household. They've all come to saving faith in Christ. They've all been baptized. And she is so large a home, she's ready to take in these four 
the team and whatever traveling entourage they have. She wants to use her resources for Jesus Christ. She wants to be part of the gospel adventure. She's not going to be out there preaching right now, but she is going to help make that happen for Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. She wants to be involved in kingdom work. And we read later in verse 40, when they come out of jail, they come back and they encourage the brethren, which I take to mean that they even started a church in her home because it was that large, because people were gathered there. And then when you go back to the book of Philippians, later on, written by Paul from prison, we learn what a strong and healthy church it was. They supported him financially. They supported him in prayer. His love was very deep for them. They sent Epaphroditus to come see him and be with him. Their love for Paul was great. They were a strong and healthy church. And so when they got out of prison... We read in verse 40 that they went and stayed for a little bit before they headed on to the next town. Lydia responded to Jesus wholeheartedly. And that's what people do who are compelled by God's love. They're, they want to join him in his gospel adventure. Do you remember when you first came to Christ? How exciting that was? that he made that clear to you. You understood it intellectually and believed it was true. You, you found him extremely appealing emotionally and volitionally. You trusted Christ. You gave your life to Christ. You asked him to come into your life. And you had this incredible joy because your sins were forgiven. Guilt and shame were removed. Well, we want to be a people that remember that kind of joy on a daily basis. My mom tells me that when I trusted Jesus, it was shortly before my fifth birthday, that I ran next door and told my best friend Corky that he could go to heaven too if he would trust Jesus Christ. Evidently, I was pretty excited. I, I love what our church family is doing. We, we heard from Daniel and Lindsay this morning. Brent Stowe has created new T-shirts that he is going to wear. They just have symbols on them to raise questions so that he can jump into spiritual conversations with others. I find that extremely exciting. He wants to be a part of this adventure. Randy Brown this week had an Amazon driver ask him uh, in this uh, subdivision they were in, he said, how did all these people get so rich? And Randy just replied, he said, well, they have a lot of money, but they're not rich. If you want to be rich, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Simple conversations, people taking advantage to join God in this grand adventure. Because it's true. There's something happening all the time, all around us, spiritually speaking. Don't miss out on opportunities to join God in his work. I want to close with one passage that I've always loved that, that, that keeps me excited about this adventure. Because we get so, you know, routine and structured and we have all these things to say but all we have to do is be faithful and present the gospel this is what jesus told nicodemus in john 3 the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but you don't know where it comes from and where it is going so is everyone who is born of the spirit you cannot tell if someone is going to heaven or not you don't know if someone is a follower of jesus or not but you can be part of this grand adventure and we're told that even 
with the Holy Spirit, you can see afterward where the wind has blown. Just be faithful. Let's be willing, enthusiastic messengers, ambassadors of the gospel as we join God in this great adventure. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the life of Lydia. And with just a few verses, you have shown us great joy, great boldness, great service. It's a woman who served well. And we thank you for her life. And we thank you for the challenge that her life lays out for us. Thank you for the grace you've given to us to trust you as Savior. We thank you for the joy of being in you and possessing all that you have given us, all the riches of grace. We thank you for the joy of knowing the truth. And, and we ask for the grace to take advantage of every opportunity you give us to share the gospel, to join you on this grand adventure. And we give you thanks in the precious name of Christ. Amen.
salvation by the grace in his eyes. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. And heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. And my heart turns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets.
for being with us this week. You are dismissed.